Well, good morning. Good morning. Sam, thank you for inviting me to be here, and um, thank you for having me. This uh, continues to be um, home church and uh, such a, a community of faith that has nurtured me, and it's so good to be here. Um, I want to start this morning with a story. Uh, it's a story that goes back about 40 years. Uh, I was uh, studying at Regent College in those days, and there were lots and lots of students there from lots of different backgrounds, different parts of the world. Uh, some of them I got to know well, uh, and some of them I didn't. So one of those that I didn't get to know well was a woman um, whom I'd noticed. Uh, she was about 10 years older than me, and I noticed her because she just seemed so dour so down, uh, so closed off, uh, aloof, uh, kind of depressive, uh, not very friendly, and I don't think I ever saw her smile. And that uh, first year, uh, some of us connected, and we decided to go on a uh, trip on Malibu Beyond, which is a hiking program up the uh, the coast, up uh, Jarvis Inlet, the Princess Louisa Inlet. Uh, it was a little bit beyond me, but we went hiking way up into the mountaintops, and it was spectacular experience, hard. Um, and we, there were about 10 of us from Regent that went, and we really bonded together. And this woman came on that trip. And during the meals, uh, or after the meals, we would gather around the little cooking stove, and uh, we took it by turns to share our life story. And... When this woman shared, I've got to say, it was a complete surprise. And I can't actually even remember the details, but what I have never, ever forgotten is that you don't really know a person. You don't and can't really understand a person until you've heard their story. Until they let you know where they've come from, what's going on in them, what they're feeling, what they're sensing. And she made herself known by telling her story. The sovereign Lord makes himself known through his actions. Sovereign Lord makes himself known through his words, spoken through the prophets, down through the ages, many times in many ways. The Sovereign Lord finally, ultimately, um, completely, wonderfully makes Himself known through the person of His Son, Jesus. But back behind all of that, the Sovereign Lord makes Himself known through His name. We're going to come back to that in a moment, but let me introduce, first of all, where uh, you as a community are going over these next uh, number of weeks, over these next two months. Uh, this is a church, a community that has always wanted to be exposed to the full counsel of God in every way. And so this fall, Granville has made the choice again to dip back into the Old Testament and to go there not to a specific book uh, to go through it, but to go back and dip in and discover specific words in the Old Testament scriptures, in the Old Testament text, uh, words that are crucial and important for faith and for life. Uh, these are words that uh, as a community you're going to soak in you're going to unpack and, and express and, and look into. Uh, these are words that will give clearer understanding of who God himself is and who we are meant to be in following him, uh, of the kind of response that we are meant to have toward him. So uh, the series is titled Ancient Words. 
And we start today with an Old Testament word, a, a, Greek, a Hebrew word, uh, that I would say is uh, one of the key words in the Old Testament Scriptures. In fact, I think it could be uh, very uh, appropriately argued that it is the key word in the Old Testament text. And we come to the place where this particular word was first highlighted, not around a cooking stove, but around a bush that was burning. And the place uh, that we come to is... Uh, I want you to enter into the story with me. This is the setting. It's a burning bush. Moses, as you will remember, had left Egypt. And he left Egypt under duress, under stress. He had actually killed a man. He killed an Egyptian who was attacking uh, an Israelite, and uh, he had to flee because it became known. In fact, Pharaoh himself was seeking to kill Moses. And so he's left. He spent 40 years basically in the wilderness. He's now married. Uh, he's tending his father-in-law's sheep. And he's on the far side of the, the wilderness, and he comes to the mountain of God, Horeb. And he looks up. And he sees on the mountainside a burning bush. Not a big deal when you're in uh, the desert. And he looks away, and he looks back, and it's still burning. And he looks away and continues on with his sheep, I imagine. And then he looks up, and it is still burning, and it catches his eye because the bush should have burnt up by now, but it hasn't. And so he watches, and he, it keeps on burning and burning, and he sets out to find the bush, to get into its presence, to see what's happening. And when he gets there, he looks, and he sees, and then he hears, Moses, Moses. So the divine voice, the voice of God himself speaking to him from the very heart of that burning bush which burns but does not burn up. Here I am, Moses says to God. And God tells him, as we heard in the Scripture, what he's about to do. That he's going to rescue his people wonderfully, finally, powerfully, out of their bondage in Egypt, out of their slavery, out of their suffering. He's going to bring them to a land that is full of milk and honey. It's going to be the promised land, this wonderful place. And then God, from the bush, says to Moses, I am sending you. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people out of Egypt. And Moses, uh, somewhat stunned, says, Who am I? Who am I? It's a key question. Who am I? In other words, I want you to enter into the story with me. This is the setting. It's a burning bush. Moses, as you will remember, had left Egypt. And he left Egypt under duress, under stress. Yeah, maybe you need, I'll keep signaling Sorry? Okay. God says, I am with you. Now, if you actually look at your English translations, and I looked at multiple texts, um, most of them do not translate it this way. Most of them translate it with a future tense. God says, I will be with you which is hugely, hugely encouraging. And the thing that you're going to do, Moses, I will be with you every step along the way. But the interesting thing is the verb in the, in the Hebrew is the very same, identical, as God uses throughout the rest of this passage. It's a verb that can be translated with a future tense, but also with a present tense. And so I think it's significant to hear Moses say, who am I? And for God to then respond, I am with you. 
And so then Moses says, well, suppose I go to the people and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to deliver you out of Egypt. And then they say, what is his name? What am I supposed to say? And then God says, I'm just going to signal you, okay? And God says, can you say that with me? I am that I am. I am who I am. And then he says, you tell them, I am has sent me. And if you've got your text, you might want to open it to Exodus 3. This is where this is all being taken from. Exodus 3, verse 15, God then also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, which is the English translation of the Hebrew word Yahweh, which we're going to come to in a minute, the Lord, Yahweh, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, God goes on to say. This is my name forever. The name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. So here's our word. Let's put it up here. Yahweh. In Hebrew, uh, as it was written originally, there were no vowels, uh, just consonants. Uh, this is a four-consonant word uh, transliterated into English, Y-H-W-H. -H. Uh, this is, because it's four letters, uh, tetra is a word that means four. Uh, this is called the tetragrammaton. Transliterated uh, with the vowels, it comes up this way as Yahweh, Yahweh. Jewish readers of the Old Testament uh, would read this through, and they, they knew when they got to the four letters that it was the word Yahweh, and they would uh, read that out. But after a period of time, they stopped reading this word uh, because they were fearful of using, pronouncing the Lord's name in vain. And so when they came to the Tetragrammaton, these uh, four letters, instead of saying Yahweh, they would substitute the word Adonai, which means my Lord. And so they would not say the name of the Lord. Later, the vowel sounds for Adonai were written in with the consonants of Yahweh and yielded the name Jehovah, and that's where this name comes from. In our English Bibles, it comes up this way, just simply as bingo, Lord. All letters capitalized. And so when you, in your text, read through in the Old Testament and come across Lord in all capitals. It's the Tetragrammaton. It's the name, Yahweh. Now, this word, this name, actually has already appeared in the Old Testament text in uh, the book of Genesis. It, it appears 150 times or so. But it is in this passage in Exodus 3 at the burning bush and then all the events that spill forth from this moment, it's in this moment that the Lord reveals the foundational significance of what this word, this name, actually implies. And we're going to draw four things out this morning that spill forth from these four letters in the Hebrew text, uh, the name of God. But before we get there, I want you to notice something about the name itself. So we're going to put up the next slide. The Hebrew verb to be, to be which gives us uh, uh, conjugated I am, you are, he is, she is, uh, etc., etc. Uh, the Hebrew word to be is made up of three letters, uh, transliterated H, Y, H. You can see it's somewhat similar to Yahweh, but it's, it's not the same. And there is debate as to the exact origin of the name 
Yahweh, and whether it comes directly from the verb to be or not. But in the Hebrew, uh, if you were reading it out, there is this ringing similarity of sounds between the verb to be, I am, and the name Yahweh. And it is absolutely clear in this conversation that the Lord God has with Moses that he is wanting to nail down the connection between the name Yahweh and this verb, I am, which gets repeated again and again. So let's now pull out four things that, we, that spill out of this name that God has given to himself to speak to his people. And the first uh, is this, its presence. So before the name Yahweh is ever introduced into this text in Exodus 3, uh, God himself uses the I am phrase several times over. I am who I am. Tell them, I am has sent me. But leading it all off, the Lord had said to Moses, when he says, who am I? The Lord says, I am with you. And each subsequent time I think that the Lord uses the phrase, I am, it's as if he's nailing down more and more firmly, I am with you. He is the all-present one. I am. And it's significant to me that he speaks this to Moses in the midst of Moses' own um, helplessness, inability, powerlessness out in the wilderness, away from Egypt, having fled there to escape uh, Pharaoh's wrath and justice. Who am I? He asks. And Yahweh says, don't worry. I am. I am with you. So presence is absolutely powerful, isn't it? We know this in our own human experience. Um, I'm pretty sure I used this story earlier this year, but you're going to have to hear it again because I remember as a kid uh, an experience of presence that I've never forgotten. Uh, it was across the street. I was maybe six or seven or eight. Uh, across the street with some friends in their big backyard, and we were playing British Bulldog, and I ran smack dab into a scrawny little crabapple tree in the middle of the yard. I got knocked flat on the ground. I saw stars. I got completely nauseated. I'm sure I had a concussion. And I ended up in bed that night, lying there, just feeling absolutely miserable. And what I remember is a chair by my bed with my dad sitting in it, and his presence spoke comfort. And don't we know what that's like? Sitting with a friend, and maybe all you've got to offer is your presence. Or friends sitting with you, and all they've got to offer is their presence. And it's so good. The name Yahweh offers God's presence to us. He, it speaks to us of His active presence, the active presence of the almighty God, King of the universe Himself, the faithful presence of the Creator God. I am with you. And so it is no surprise, is it, that when we get to the New Testament and encounter Jesus, that the name, uh, one of the names by which we are to know Him is Emmanuel, which means with us, God. God with us. Well, of course. And it's no surprise that at the end of the gospel story, uh, recorded for us in Matthew's gospel, the last word in that gospel is Jesus saying, I will be with you 
always. I am. It echoes Yahweh's own statement in Deuteronomy 31. I will never leave you or forsake you. Why? Well, because he is the God who is with. He's the God whose name is Yahweh. I am with you. So let me just ask you, where is it in your own presence, in your own experience, your own uh, uh, situation at the moment, where is it that you need to know? You need to experience. You need to feel God's presence right now. So what pain, what heartache, what isolation, what loneliness perhaps, what burden, what challenge, what struggle, what joy, what success, what accomplishment, where do you truly need to know His presence most keenly? right now, and the Lord speaks His name, I am with you. So I want to invite you just to close your eyes for a moment and just sit in His presence because He's here. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am with you, He said to Moses. He says that to us. And just receive His presence with you. Thank you, Lord, that you are still the great I am who says to us, I am with you. Praise your name. Second thing, presence spills out of the name Yahweh, but power also pours out of this name. God reveals his name here specifically to Moses in the context of powerlessness of Moses himself, and certainly powerlessness of the Israelites trapped back there in Egypt. Uh, The context, of course, is the enslavement of God's people, uh, and they've been enslaved for centuries. And the question in their mind at this moment, they've heard of this God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but the question in their mind is, can God actually deliver us? And so Moses is asked, who am I? It's not really a question of identity, rather it's a question of ability. Who am I? What can I do? And then when Moses says, what shall I say when the people ask me, what is his name? In essence, what they're going to be asking is, who is he? What can he do? So as one commentator puts it, he says, the Israelites in Egypt oppressed savagely across many years and crying out with no let-up to their God, have every reason to want to know what can He do? Or perhaps better, what can He do? And the answer from from the burning bush comes ringing back, I am, I am, I am, I'm able. And then the Lord takes this newly emphasized name and He speaks this answer into the oppressed powerlessness of the Israelites. And it's Exodus 3, uh, verses 16 to 17. God says this, Go assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, The Lord, that's Yahweh, 
Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and have seen what has been done to you in Egypt, and I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, etc., 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 a land flowing with milk and honey. And then God does it. Well, it gets a little tenuous and painful first. There's a whole lot of plagues that all of Egypt goes through. There's a whole lot of waiting the Israelites have to go through. Their, uh, their task for the Egyptians gets intensified. They have to make their brick without any straw. They have to find the straw themselves. It gets painful first, but God does it. In such a way that ever after Yahweh is identified as known as the one who brought Israel up out of Egypt. And again and again and again, throughout the Old Testament, that's the phrase, Yahweh, who brought the people of Israel up out of Egypt. And into the New Testament, Yahweh is referred to in this way. Yahweh is the God of power. Yahweh is the God who is able. Which then uh, becomes the tangible picture of that even greater deliverance on the cross that Jesus won for us, rescuing us from sin and death and enslavement and condemnation. Jesus, who is Emmanuel, God with us, brings about deliverance for us. He is able. I am. So, you know, in our own moments, uh, our own places of powerlessness, I uh, know we need to grab hold of this ancient word, this ancient name because it rings into our experience too. I am. I am able. And I wonder sometimes if the pain of the moment, the hardship of the circumstance, uh, isn't meant to actually uh, draw us to this place of clinging more strongly, more desperately to the one whose name is Yahweh, and then to stand more confidently as he works out his purposes, sometimes over long periods of time, but we know that I, Yahweh, who is I am with you, is also Yahweh I am who is able. And I think for me, some of the most memorable moments of encounter with God have actually come, many of them, in the midst of uh, struggle, the midst of uh, hardship and uh, painful stretching. So I want to invite you again to take a moment in the presence of Yahweh. Just close your eyes. And what's the situation at the moment that weighs on you that seems to uh, make you feel um, the gaps so much, uh, the powerlessness? Uh, what's the circumstance that is beyond you to change? And come again to the one who makes himself known as Yahweh. So, Lord, again, we thank you that spilling out of this name, Yahweh, are all these amazing events of the Exodus and how you cared for your people. You rescued them. Rescue us. In Jesus' name. Uh, the third thing that spills out of this name, uh, we have presence, we have power, but there's, there's revelation. Uh, 
God speaks the divine name into Moses' ear, into the Israelites' circumstance, into our circumstance, because he wants to reveal himself to us. Uh, Speaking the name actually is an act of self-disclosure on God's part. Why? Well, because he wants us to know him. So we know this in human experience. That moment uh, by that (laughs) cooking stove on the mountains uh, in Malibu beyond years back uh, was a moment where that woman revealed her story, revealed herself. She was willing to allow us to know her. I think of some conversations that I have had just over this last uh, week or so. Uh, Two guys that I have known uh, over a number of years, a guy, uh, a third guy that I just met, But each of them, in their own way, pulled back the veil on some things in their own lives, uh, part of their own story that I never would have known otherwise. But as they did, I, I understood them better. It was vulnerable on their part, but they were uh, doing it as an act of friendship, of revealing themselves. And in speaking his name, this is what the sovereign Lord is doing for us. Now, later, Moses uh, asks for a clearer sighting. He wants to know God even better yet. He wants to see Yahweh's glory. And this account comes over in Exodus 33 and 34. It's a wonderful story. Moses says, let me see your glory. And the Lord God says, yes, okay. And he puts Moses in a cleft in the rock, and he puts his hand over him so that he will not see God's face, but he allows Moses to see his back. But even more powerful than what he sees is what he hears. For the Lord speaks. And as the Lord speaks, he takes this name, the divine name, Yahweh. He repeats it. And he uses it to reveal who he is, to reveal his character. So listen. Imagine you're Moses in the cleft of the rock. You're seeing God's back, but you're hearing his voice. Exodus 34, 6 to 7. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, Yahweh, Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. So the Lord reveals his character, and some of it is hard for us to grasp. But what we're discovering is that he's a God of justice, not leaving evil and wrongdoing unaddressed. And yet he is a God of unfathomable compassion and grace and forgiveness. And what I discover is that the God of the universe wants to reveal himself to me, to you, to us. Which then leads into the fourth implication, relationship. His presence and his power and his revelation are all for the purpose of drawing us into relationship with himself. Uh, It's why he makes himself present. It's why he exercises power on the Israelites' behalf. It's why he reveals his character. Why? Well, because he wants them to know him. He wants us to know him. So let me read to you from Exodus uh, chapter 6, verse uh, 2 to 8, and listen to what God says and the rationale he gives for speaking his name, 
Yahweh in the first place. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I am Yahweh. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. See, even these great patriarchs had not yet received this intimate covenant name of God himself. But God is now giving it to his people. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you up from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who brought you up from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I am the Lord. You getting the point? I am Yahweh. Yahweh embraces his people and draws them under his name. And this is where we find ourselves in Jesus himself. So when we address God as Father, we come under this name, Yahweh. Presence, power, revelation, relationship. When we address him as our shepherd, we come under this name, Yahweh. Presence, power, revelation, relationship. And when we address him as Jesus, we come under this name. So let me close by reading you the scripture from the New Testament, which you know well, but listen to it with fresh ears. Philippians chapter 2. Verses 9 to 11, therefore God exalted him, that's Jesus, who gave himself for us. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to death. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father.